simple goal here in Concord Matters, to seek unity in our confession of the Christian faith through the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul says it well from Romans chapter 15. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We seek this harmony by the Holy Spirit through the study of the clear and concise teachings confessed in the Book of Concord. For as we believe that the Book of Concord, we believe, teach, and confess that these writings are in accord, meaning they align with, they confess the truth of God's Holy Word. I'm your host, Brady Finnern, District President of the Minnesota North District of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Thank you for joining us on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Last week, we had the joy of confessing the truth of the scriptural confession of our condition, original sin, and the solution to the sin, which is Christ and him crucified. Now, today we get to that important question, really is, how is one saved? How can one come before a perfect God? How can one become righteous? And we define that as we look at the word justification. Often I've heard people say it this way, just as if I did not sin. What does that mean? And this is where we get to Article 4 of the Augsburg Confession, which is vitally important to us as Christian people. So today as we do this, open up your book of Concord, open up your Bible even more importantly, and let's start confessing. If you have any questions concerning our study of the Augsburg Confession today or anytime, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. Joining us in the Confession of Christ, we welcome back Pastor Jason Bredesen of Trinity Lutheran Church in Sacramento, California. Pastor Bredesen, welcome back to Concord Matters. Greetings in Christ, Pastor Finner, and it's great to be with you again. Thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. Pastor Bredesen, it was stated by Luther, which is actually, this is the more direct quote when he speaks about justification, because if this article of justification stands, the church stands. If this article collapses, the church collapses. So first of all, this is a reminder, we better not uh, mess this one up. What do you think? <laughs> well, uh, it it serves as the foundation, doesn't it? As the, <laughs> it so sure does. So, states. <laughs> so Lord have mercy on us this morning. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> Pastor, as we look at this, it is so vitally important that we understand justification. We see it throughout the scriptures. It's something that we hold dearly as Lutherans, part of the reason why we are even Lutheran as far as our church and the Reformation and the Book of Concord is central justification. That's important to us as Lutheran pastors and as Christians. Pastor, can you tell us a little bit, you kind of have a, a good journey into this uh, looking at justification, and why is it important to you and important to the church? Yeah, thank you for asking. It is incredibly important to me, not just professionally, but personally. I was raised in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, uh, and due to the influences of a, um, a devoted and devout, uh, although a bit misled, volunteer youth leader when I was in junior high and high school, I was drawn away from the Lutheran teaching, especially about uh, justification and the sacraments. Ended up in uh, the American evangelical world, kind of the non-denominational big box church world for about a decade of my life, including getting my bachelor's degree in biblical studies from an American evangelical school. When I got to Simpson University in Redding, California, I recognized very quickly 
how much I value justification by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and that alone. But I failed to recognize the connection with the sacraments. So in many respects, I did not feel like there was much of a home for me in Christianity. Um, I explored Calvinism to great length, uh, was actually quite drawn to it because of the, um, the significant um, logic to it. Uh, although now being a confessional Lutheran, it certainly the logic goes a step too far, if you will. Um, and it wasn't until I took a class on Luther and his theology in the fall semester of my final year at Simpson that it all kind of came together. I was able to read source documents from the Reformation, uh, recognize Luther's biblical teaching on justification and the sacraments. And really, it was kind of like coming home and went and talked to um, the local Missouri Synod pastor there in town. And um, the rest, as they say, is history. As I was uh, ordained uh, on the uh, presentation of the Augsburg Confession, June 25th, 2006. Um, so, yeah, um, as I reflect on my time in American evangelicalism, it's hard for any Bible reading Christian to not recognize the, the rich beauty that is our understanding of justification. What what happens so often then is they'll um, give a very clear confession to justification, but then they'll quickly return to works of the law uh, in their practice of the faith. So fundamentally, they'll they'll grasp hold of justification to a degree, but then as they practice the faith or implement the faith, there is a very distinct confusion of law and gospel in applying the article of justification. So, brother, I am telling you from very personal experience, the weight of the burden of the law having been justified is heavy. And if we do lose sight of, of justification by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone throughout our Christian pilgrimage, we will be burdened heavily by the law, and it will be a painful thing. Um, hold fast to it. That's my encouragement to you and to all of our hearers. There's a very real challenge that I would give to you, our listeners, and to well, to Pastor Bredesen and myself, is that we are able to clearly articulate the gospel. The um, one of the one of the joys I have is as now district president of Minnesota North is that when you visit other congregations is, first of all, when I am able to receive the gift of the word of God from a fellow brother um, and, and also like in Bible study or walking out of church or others where people clearly articulate what the faith is, it is vital because often I've had this reaction from people. When you say, okay, what's the gospel? And people are like, well, I, I don't know. Is that really that big of a deal? No, no, no one's doing it flippantly. They're not doing it in a mean way. They're not like, oh, well, you know, it doesn't matter. It's just that we sometimes are not great at articulating it. And we don't want to be, you know, found to be not knowing what we're talking about. But I would challenge everyone that this this confession that we'll be reading today and confessing is something that I would, I would take to heart. I would try to memorize. I would try to make this on your lips at all times. 
something you wake up in the morning to and something you go to bed towards uh, because it is something that is so vital and should be on our lips to proclaim and also for our hearts to believe. So that that's my encouragement, because as Pastor said so well, um, it is everything that we have as Christians. And it has to begin and end that way. It can't be that, oh yeah, Jesus died for your sins, but now let's talk about what you have to do. Mm -hmm. um, in that sense, like the, the emphasis is on the wrong syllable, or emphasis is on the wrong <laughs> syllable. Um, you gotta make sure it begins and ends in Christ with a clear distinction of law and gospel. So that's that's a, our beginning of this. I will, well, let's dig into it a little bit here. On page 32 of the Lutheran Confessions, the reader's edition from the from uh, Concordia Publishing House, we're on page 32, which is Article 4, and we're going to start by reading the note that gives us a little bit of uh, a historical understanding of what's happening. So, Article 4, Justification. There's a historic saying in Lutheranism that the church stands or falls on the article of justification. To justify means to declare righteous. God's sure and certain declaration that we are righteous in his eyes is possible only because of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Through his life, Jesus satisfied God's demand for perfect obedience. Through his sacrificial death, Jesus took God's wrath and atoned for the sins of the world. The Holy Spirit, through the means of grace, works in us saving faith, which personally apprehends what Christ has done for us. Our justification before God, therefore, is brought about by the one who lived, suffered, and died for our salvation. We cannot merit God's favor through salvation. We cannot merit God's favor through our obedience. We cannot offer sacrifices to pay for our sins. But what we cannot do for ourselves, Christ has done for us. He is a solid rock in which God builds his church. On him and him alone, we stand forgiven. Well, Pastor, I think all I can say to that is amen. Amen. <laughs> I, it. I'm on board with it. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. Right? Pastor, that's we, not even the confession. That's just we haven't even confessed the, the real confession yet. Yeah. <laughs> and and as I look at this, there's a number of passages that I think um, that I want to highlight. And I want to get some of your thoughts too, because whenever we look at the book of Concord, we are doing everything in accord, as I mentioned, by the word of God. And so uh certain words Romans has a ton and this is why I want to hear some of your thoughts too pastor is Romans chapter 4 talks about it will be counted to us who believe in him who raised us from the dead Jesus our lord who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification John chapter 1 it is John the Baptist who pointed to Jesus and said behold the lamb of god who takes away the sins of the world um, Isaiah 53 talks about how that all the iniquity, iniquities, iniquity, excuse me, were laid upon him and him alone. Uh, Pastor, do you have any other scripture or um, other parts of scripture that will point us to this great doctrine of justification by faith? Well, my go-to is my confirmation verse, and that's Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. And of course, you know, you go to Ephesians 1 and you recognize immediately that look, you're dead. You bring absolutely nothing to the table. Uh, the question I ask uh, my parishioners, my beloved saints at Trinity is, hey, do you get to pick your coffin once you're dead? And the answer there is a very clear no. You have no say in the matter. And until you are live enlivened to faith in Christ, there's no hope. Um, and mm -hmm. so you roll that into Ephesians 2, eight through 10, which, you know, we kind of look at as the gospel in a nutshell, as it were, 
For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, so that no one may boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do the good works which he has prepared beforehand, that mm. we might walk in them. And it, it says it all right there, by grace, through faith, in Jesus alone. Um, you know, you look at Paul in Corinthians, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Mm. I mean, that's pretty clear, unless we are enlivened to faith by the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, principally, that comes through word and sacrament. Uh, always it comes through word and sacrament. Uh, you, uh, you can't make the confession of faith. Then, of course, we could spend all day in Galatians. We love that book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, you yeah. know, um, and, and uh, uh, I'm a new creation uh, in, in Second Corinthians. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it, it goes back and forth, and that's and that's something that I would encourage you, our listeners, as well, is to keep these passages at the heart of everything. Um, there was once a, a man that I would visit on my vicarage. Uh, vicarage is when our pastors, uh, while they go through training, will will take a year. And um, well, my vicarage supervisor would say, "You play pastor, you're not really one yet." Um, was how he said it. But it was an internship, and there was one man who just had a horrible life, even. He died during my vicarage and the pastor very clearly said this guy was not a good guy. He was not a he was not a nice man. But thankfully, we are not saved by our niceness. I remember him very clearly saying we are saved by the blood of Christ. And that, I think, captures this, because when I would visit him, sometimes he would cuss me out of the room. But then he would repent and then he would tell me, you know what, vicar, I'm only saved because of God's grace. And I can't think of a not a clear uh, confession of what it means to have be justified by faith than that example. Pastor, yeah, other thoughts before we actually dig into the actual confession. You, you know, you dig into your pastoral experience. I'm going to dig into mine, if I may. Um, I have an elder who is the son, it was the son of a pastor, um, the Reverend Art Kruger, who is now with the Lord. Um, in his ministry, he went to the bedside of a uh, devout, lifelong Lutheran Christian woman, uh, you know, cradle to grave kind of faithful Lutheran who taught Sunday school for so many years. And he's there at her deathbed. She's not getting up out of bed to do anything anymore ever again. And uh, they're talking and she expresses to him, isn't it great how many uh, faithful years I spent teaching Sunday school, basically insinuating that if anyone gets in, it's me because I taught Sunday school for so long. And the application of the law that Pastor Kruger gave to her was was so clear when he said, well, how do you know you weren't supposed to teach one more year? Oh, geez. Right? I mean, Mm -hmm. that's uh, Mm -hmm. that puts it into perspective. And uh, presumably, I, I, I knowing knowing my elder the way I do and, and uh, the way he speaks of his father's um, pastorate, I have no doubt that he followed closely with, you know, you are saved by grace alone. And uh, you, as you lie here on your deathbed, um, trust in that, hold fast to that, grasp it. Grasp the cro- promises of God in faith. 
So, Pastor, as we look at this, I'll, I'll say um, two more just because it's a lot of fun to dig into this is Romans 3, uh, 28. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. And also in uh, 4, verse 5, when it says, uh, uh, excuse me, and to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. And so we're going to talk about this further as we look at Hebrews 11 and other parts of scripture. It just pops out at you. I mean, the more you look at it and it brings me back to this and I want to hear some of your thoughts. It goes back to Lazarus. Um, one of the, I, I read once on a commentary on Lazarus's resurrection and it talked about Jesus waited four days to eliminate all possibilities of leadership principles coming into tact. <laughs> you know, there was no hope that another 10 step program could have helped him. He stinketh. That's all he had. <laughs> so and that's just a reminder for us who we are. That is great. Isn't it great? Yeah. It just waited four days for that reason. And all, all that Lazarus had to bring was a body that was not alive. And that's yeah. what we bring before our Lord, a resurrected Lord. So enough of this. Let's get into the text, which is on page 33 of the Reader's Edition of the Book of Concord. And like I said, uh, take these to heart and may they be on our lips. Our churches teach that people cannot be justified before God by their own strength, merits, or works. People are freely justified for Christ's sake through faith when they believe that they are received into favor and, are their, and their sins are forgiven for Christ's sake. By his death, Christ made satisfaction for our sins. God counts his faith for righteousness in his sight. Referencing Romans 3 and 4, 3, 21 through 26, 4, verse 5. Let's go through this a little piece at a time. It begins by saying what we cannot do. Right away, you are realizing this is not for the leadership conference. This is saying you can't do it. So, mm-hmm. Pastor, what, what are they telling us right away, the reformers? They're saying you can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's simple. <laughs> hey, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, oh, you want to you want us to actually talk about it? Okay. Well, it means we can't do it. We have absolutely nothing at all to give except our sin. Right. That's that's what we contribute to this whole salvation thing is our brokenness, our sin. We have nothing that we can bring to this equation. We it, we got nothing. No strength, no merit, no works, nothing. We're dead in our trespasses. I've been thinking about this a lot, too, as we've been studying for this. And as you had talked previous to our, um, before our, our, our studio, our time here today, is what does the world think? Like, well, if you were to ask somebody... Um, okay, how are you saved? Let's say we went and interviewed 50 people in Sacramento or 50 people in Brainerd, Minnesota, just on the streets and being nice about it, of course, because, you know, Minnesota nice is required. Um, but you're just, you know, how are you saved and not trying to be a jerk? What do you think many of them would say naturally? Well, I'm a good person. Um, and that uh, sets up this automatic um, presentation of ourselves where I look at myself in the mirror and then I look at the person next to me and I say, look, I can, I can be pretty when I compare myself to other people. But in essence, we're just putting the lipstick on the pig when we do that because 
all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? That's um, there, Romans 3. And um, there, did, I, think, I think most people would come to the, come to the position where they're going to compare themselves with their fellow humans, where the actual comparison needs to be with the law of God and the one human who fulfilled the law, that being Jesus Christ. That is the standard. And I don't know about you, Pastor Finneran, but I got nothing when it comes to that standard. Mm. And, and as you look at this, I've heard it said, comparative justification, which is what that is. And this is why we have to be clear. We talk justification. We are speaking of justification in Christ by faith. Mm -hmm. um, that comparative justification, which is what we naturally do, puts me in a position where I say, at least I'm not as good as that person, which sounds pretty good in that sense, right? Now, I'm not saying that's right. I'm saying you can make yourself look pretty good. Mm -hmm. The problem comes when you compare yourself to somebody who you would perceive to be better. So right. it either leads to pride or it leads to despair. Yes. Either way, you are never fully justified, especially you don't find righteousness in oneself because it just so quickly turns into pride and despair. Any thoughts on that? Well, yeah, you, you put me up against a guy like Hitler. I am going to look pretty good. Um, but then you put me up against a Mother Teresa, and all of a sudden my warts come forward. And, uh, yeah, pride and despair are the two ends of the law, right? Uh, if I seek to do it in my own strength, I'm either going to have a really good day with regard to, or what I think is a really good day with regard to what I've done and not done in thought, word, and deed. Uh, and I'm going to pat myself on the back and say, Jesus, aren't you happy that I'm here to take some of the burden off of you, to take some of the load off of you? I'm, a, I'm helping you out, Jesus. Uh, or you have a really bad day and you, you know, you're, you're, you're sitting in traffic on the drive home and um, someone cuts you off and the expletives fly. And um, I mean, you go home and yell at your wife and kids, you, you know, you kick the dog and, uh, and all of a sudden you, when the Holy spirit working through the word convicts you of your sin, you are led to despair. And the only answer to that despair is the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. There was once, and it's another practical application to this, is there was once a couple that I met with and and they were describing to me about their, their past. And their past was they were living together outside of marriage and their pastor called them on the table about it. Like, hey, this isn't right. And they said, you're right. And this was not a, not a Lutheran church and not, I, I think, a Bible-believing Christian church, no doubt about it. And they were, they were like, yep, you're right. We need to repent. We need to get married. We need to fix this. And they're like, okay, let's get the marriage figured out. And they're like, great, we figured it out. And then he asked this question of that pastor. So what do I do with that? Like, oh. okay, we're going to make this right, but what do I do with it? And and this pastor, who I, I'm not questioning his Christianity, I'm just saying the the, the proclamation piece, I was saying, well, Christ died for that. He, he didn't say that. He kind of made it sound like, well, you fix it by getting married which is something that is good, right, and salutary. We follow the law. We live in God's grace. We, we do what is holy and sanctified by God's grace that led them to that. But you still have that stuff in the back. 
you know, you still got that junk and, you know, junk in, in your, in your house. So how do you, how do you get rid of it? And that's where this comes in because mm-hmm. we can always make it sound like I did this and that fixed X, but then never, never gets rid of the stuff in the past. Pastor with about a minute left before our break. Um, other, any thoughts on that or anything else in that first sentence that we have in the well, think, justification? Yeah. yeah. Well, you just reflected, uh, with regard to your friend and, the lack of the proclamation of the gospel, having the the, the family there repenting, really uh, goes to show the confusion of law and gospel that many of our Christian brothers and sisters have, and the importance that we hold fast to a right understanding of justification and its practical application in law and gospel. Well, let's take our break right now. We are studying the fourth article of the Augsburg Confession with Pastor Jason Bredesen of Trinity Lutheran Church in Sacramento, California, and we'll be right back. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Put this wisdom of God into practice by listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple, and faithful pastors from around the world help sharpen my faith in Christ every episode. I know you'll be blessed by listening and studying God's Word with us. Listen to Sharper Iron weekdays at 8 a.m. on KFUO and on demand at KFUO.org, the KFUO radio app, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back. We are studying from the Augsburg Confession, the Doctrine of Justification, which is Article 4 with Pastor Jason Bredesen of Trinity Lutheran Church in Sacramento, California. Now, Pastor, before we um, took our break, we just mentioned the importance of this proclamation of the gospel so that we will proclaim, or law and gospel, excuse me, that why is it so important that when we get to this first sentence, that we are very clear you have no shot because if we get that wrong um you know then justification doesn't work but some people would say is it really that big do we have to be a downer i mean we want some motivation here pastor what last time is we look at that first sentence why is it important that we get that part right in order for justification even to make sense yeah well as as we stated early on this whole thing is our very foundation if if the foundation is off, the house isn't going to stand. And uh, I mean, if we if we think that we're able to contribute to our salvation, to our justification, that's going to throw the whole thing off. And we are going to find ourselves in a difficult position of attempting to justify ourselves to to say, no, I'm a good guy um, when when the truth is that we're broken sinners or we're going to end in despair, which, uh, which God willing opens the door to reception of the gospel. Um, what so often happens, uh, is that law and gospel are not rightly distinguished and, um, we are left in our despair or we continue in our, um, uh, our self-righteousness. It's interesting to me too, that, if we think we have a chance, a side door, if you will, that really we negate the cross. 
we yes. we act as if you know um what is it in uh, galatians 2 i do not nullify the grace of god for if righteousness were through the law then christ died for no purpose mm-hmm. so if we think we have a chance then we basically are saying the cross didn't matter <laughs> right and, and and this was very clear last week when we had uh, dr mueller on um and and he spoke very clearly if we don't understand the fullness of christ the god man then you lose the cross as well so it's it's very important we get these simple but yet i would say very enriching and and maybe get sometimes complex a little bit hard for us to fully understand if we don't get jesus right then we don't get any of it right and if we don't get the law and our sinfulness right then once again the cross has no purpose last thoughts before we move further well you know this doctrine is absolutely brilliantly simple but i would say it's not an easy one to grasp hold of not because it's not simple but because we are so complex and broken my wife will tell you that i'm the worst backseat driver out there and she's not wrong um and uh you know like i was saying earlier uh when i have a good day i love to remind jesus how valuable i am to him and his kingdom. And um, the, the truth is that, as he says, without me, you can do nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, uh, I think, you know, while this is a brilliantly simple doctrine, the old Adam in us just constantly wants to grab hold of the wheel and prove to the world and to Jesus that I can do it. And it's, a bald-faced lie. And that's why we get to truth, because the next sentence frees us from this. Mm-hmm. Um, and when in repentance by the Holy Spirit, we're able to realize, wait, I am unable to do this. And it says, and these words are very important. People are freely justified for Christ's sake through faith when they believe that they are received into favor and that their sins are forgiven for Christ's sake. Pastor, let's let's focus on a few words here. Freely justified. That that's very intentional to use that word freely. Why would they put that in there like that? Because that's the only way it's coming to you is if he gives it um, and gives it without condition. Um, that's it. Uh, you know the the Latin phrase is extra nos, and Flame is doing a great job of teaching that uh, through his music and his work and having an album and a song called Extra Nos um, from the outside, it has to, absolutely has to come from the outside. Ephesians 1, we are dead in our sins and dead people don't choose anything, let alone their coffins or Jesus. God must come to us from the outside. He does that through Jesus and I think this goes into the comparative justification. Sometimes we'll find, try to find justification from within. Um, and that's why, and then you said that beautifully, because if we try to find it within, it can be based on our feelings, which thanks be to God, he gives us feelings um, to be able to experience his creation and to, and to see his grace and to love our children and love our wives and everything else. Um, but if we try to find our foundation on that, my hope is built on nothing less than experience, then you got an issue, like extra notes, like you said. And that's a reminder, there's a, a rapper, a, a Christian 
um, musician called Flame, who became a Lutheran lately. And actually, kind of a, a side note, he came and spoke at the Minnesota North and South Pastors Conference this past May, which was just a blast to hang out with him and to hear his convictions and to, his proclamation through music, which is a reminder for you and for you, our listeners, that if you're not a pastor or a church worker, proclamation doesn't just happen with us pastors. Um, we do so in our office and publicly and in worship and and in our um, care of souls, but you do it every day. And that's one of the things that he does is that freely outside of oneself, we are freely without cost because it was paid for you, justified for Christ's sake. Now, he could have just said people are freely justified and left out the word Jesus. Like, ah, you know, that's assumed, right? But he's very intentional, uh, Melanchthon, when he writes this, mm-hmm. for Christ's sake. And he says it twice. Why? What does that language tell us, Pastor? Again, it's Jesus who's doing it. I, I do have a question about him, uh, about Flame presenting to you all. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. did, mm-hmm. did he speak in Minnesota nice? Uh, he did not do long O's. I'll no. say that he didn't. He didn't have a don't you know um, yeah. <laughs> involved. No, he was pretty. He was pretty clear. You're dead in your sins. So all these right. pastors are sitting there. He 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 threw that at us pretty clearly. So I don't know. If, maybe he wasn't being so nice. No, you know, I guess oh, that's no. what happens. Yeah. <laughs> Good question. Yeah. So, sorry to get us back on Jesus yeah. here, though. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, let's talk about Jesus, shall we? <laughs> and, and this really reflects that Jesus is the one who is doing it all. His life, death, resurrection, appearances, ascension, promised return. It's all him. It is all him. And it's interesting how he puts it in, because here's what often um, we will say in our culture. I'm saved by faith. Okay. I believe. Okay. And this is where um, the apology of justification, which by the way, when we get to the apology, which I'm really excited about already, justification is about, what, 30 times longer than this? Um, <laughs> yeah. it, is, it is a lot of pages, and that just shows you the complexities of the, what people will say, what about this? But what about this? What about this? And that's why I encourage you, our listeners, if you are able to get this down, it will bring many other questions, and you bring it back always to Jesus. That's why when we speak about I believe we always got to make sure the other shoe drops. We don't say, I believe, or I have faith. Faith is always in something. In the apology, it talks about faith is one that holds on to the promise of Christ. And that's why when we talk about faith, it's always in Christ. It's always for Christ's sake, meaning what he has done, he's done for your sake, you know? Um, that he's done all of this for you, and Jesus has to be in the equation. We can't say justification without saying a lot of Jesus talk, a lot, like you just said, cross, empty tomb, ascension, reigning on high, always bringing back to Christ. Yeah, I think it's important here that you rightly define faith, too. Uh, when, when I was in American evangelicalism and preparing for American evangelical ministry, I was confused about what faith is and um, and how it works, so to speak. And that that is part and parcel to um, a lot of the confusion within um, American evangelicalism and I would say Roman Catholicism as well with regard to appreciating justification fully. 
is that definition of faith when you look at American evangelicalism, kind of the more Baptistic traditions of the faith, um, they would define faith as this intellectual agreement to the, the tenets of the Christian faith, the, um, the doctrines of the faith, where we rightly, biblically understand it as a gift from God by which we grasp hold of the promises of God. Uh, and that's important. Uh, that's, you know, the, if it's an intellectual agreement to what the Bible teaches, that's where a lot of the uh, decision theology comes in. I just need to choose Jesus. I need to choose to believe in him when, in fact, as we have reflected throughout multiple scriptures already, uh, there is no belief unless quickened by the Holy Spirit to faith by which we receive the promises of God. And that's where, if you ever hear somebody, when they're proclaiming the gospel, that your sins are forgiven, and all you need to do mm-hmm. <laughs> right. is this. Now, we do make sure that we, we speak of, you know, in Christ, he died for the world, and you need to repent. That's different. We're not saying your sins are forgiven if you do this. Mm-hmm. It is a um, a proclamation of the gospel. Sometimes it requires someone to say, hey, you need to step it up a notch. You need to repent for these past sins. And then they repent and we give that forgiveness. But there's never a condition when it comes to justification. It's not a, uh, a you have to do this in order to be saved. It's as Christ has died for you, um, believe it. believe in the promise is exactly what he keeps saying yeah uh, uh, if you just believe harder right (laughs) right 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 Uh, when jesus himself says uh, faith as small as a mustard seed will move the mountain um it's it's not faith is not quantitative but qualitative in that uh it is the quality of the one in whom the faith is placed that moves the mountains and this is where it's important that faith is not knowledge. Right. And that's something we often will equate with it. And this is why um, we can even try to find our hope in how well I know the Bible. And this is something that's painfully obvious for me is I'm continually learning things about the scriptures. And so if I try to find my hope in that, it would be a problem. Plus, we know that the devil knows the Bible really well. So maybe he, this is not a good standard for us to live by. <laughs> but right. the devil, Satan, does not believe that the forgiveness of sins was his. You know, that it's not, he doesn't have faith in that. And that's what we have. Um, I like Hebrews 11 talks about the faith is the assurance of things hoped for, meaning the hope that we have in Christ and the convictions of things not seen. Uh, this goes back to Thomas when he saw Jesus' side and hands and believed. And he said, blessed are those who believe but do not see, which is like you said, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we have faith in the promises that God has given to us, not necessarily full knowledge. You know, a lot of people don't know the Bible terribly well, but they do understand the gospel. They do believe in the gospel. And that's mm-hmm. where it comes down to, is always going back to Christ and not ourselves. Yeah. I, I, I love to offer um, pop quizzes to my congregation back at Trinity. Um and, and I'll throw it at them as a pop quiz and say, what, what is the gospel? 
and inevitably, um, you know, someone will shout out, it's the good news. And I say, yes, absolutely. And there is lots of good news. I, uh, I look out the window. It's a beautiful, bright, sunny day. That's good news. I don't know if you heard this, Pastor Finnern, but California is now out of our drought because of all the snow and rain we got last winter. That's good news. It's good news. Yeah, amen. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. It's not the Christian gospel. The Christian gospel is that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and that alone. And this is why we often will tell people to talk about specifically this doctrine. John chapter uh, 3, as you said, gospel in a nutshell is a perfect one. You can never go wrong with John 3.16, no yeah. doubt about it. Um, uh, it. It talks about Colossians. In him we have the redemption. We have redemption. That is the forgiveness of sins. And that's one very clear aspect that we have is, is it speaks about for Christ's sake, through faith, we understand what that is, when they believe that they are received into favor and that their sins are forgiven for Christ's sake. Pastor, forgiveness. Why is the Christian understanding of forgiveness, or we would say true forgiveness, how is that different than the world as we look at our, our lives on a daily basis? We have a practice in my family when we err against one another and are in a position where we need to practice you know, uh, law and gospel within our family and apologize. And when we, what we try to do in our family is recognize the error. So when someone says to us, I'm sorry, what's kind of the natural response that most of us have? It's okay. water under the bridge. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> um, but it's not okay. And what what we try to do in our family then is to to say yeah no it, this was a wrong it happened it needs to be acknowledged and forgiven right what if you know <laughs> we kneel every sunday and confess our sins and thought word and deed by what we've done and by what we've left undone uh <laughs> and uh and what would it be like if you or I or, or another pastor stood up to give the absolution and said, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, it's okay. It's not okay. Mm -hmm. That sin is very real and it must be dealt with. And the way it is dealt with is that it goes to the cross with Jesus, is killed there, and we are raised to newness of life in him. And that is played out in confession and absolution as we drown the old Adam daily in the waters of our baptism, as we he hear the word, um, as we receive the sacrament of the altar, that forgiveness abounds to us where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And uh, if we're just, if we can just be honest with ourselves and say, yeah, I, I, I may look better than some out there, but let's be honest. I'm, I'm just as big of a piece of poo as anybody else. And I need the forgiveness of Jesus to do anything productive in life. We hear the words in received into favor. And I, I think about this quite a bit. The language that is here is so rich. 
-hmm. because even though it was written a different language before we receive it in English, the words are, are so rich and applicable for today because we all want to know we're in favor with other people. We all want to know that uh, not our, the favorite, even though we wouldn't mind being the favorite of some <laughs> individuals, um, but we want to know that we're in, in a righteous relationship, that we are in favor with other people, that people feel they have a good relationship with us. And, and what does it mean? Why is it important for us as Christians that we know that we are in God's favor and how that relates to our daily walk with him? Uh, I'll point out my family again. Um, you know, when I became a father, I also became a much better Christian and a much better pastor. Um, when I say better Christian, it, it, uh, not that I'm, you know, doing the right things all the time, obviously, but, but more in terms of my understanding of that father child relationship that we have with our heavenly father and um the there are times when my children don't act the way that i would like them to i don't know maybe that's not true in your home pastor fenner <laughs> but um, yeah <laughs> but it, it's it's true in my home and there are times when i need to discipline my children and yet it does not in in fact that discipline just in is enhanced by my love for them and my desire for them to continue to grow in the family name of Bredesen, right? And so as we reflect upon that that child parent relationship as it relates our relationship with the Heavenly Father, um there are times when our father in heaven disciplines us, right? That's uh, Hebrews very clearly um, where he uh, disciplines us for the sake of our growth. And you know, at times discipline can be painful, but it is beneficial as well. And, um, and always, always with that forgiveness, that justification, that, uh, that reception into the favor of, God. I love the way that they phrase that there. Um, those who believe are received into favor and that their sins are forgiven for Christ's sake. That is just beautiful language. And the language of being received into favor. It's, yeah. not, a, um, it's not a matter of, okay, you've worked for this favor, which is kind of how we see the world today. You get good grades, mom, dad, take you out to ice cream. Um, you know, you, you, you do good work at work, um, then you get a promotion. And all of that sounds great. Look, that's the way it should be. And we'll kind of puff our chest and tell others, see, they're not working as hard. You're not working as hard until you lose that job or until you make that mistake that we all have. And this became very striking to me when I was on Vicarage once again, and I helped at a juvenile facility um, in Topeka, Kansas. And I'll never forget listening to the young men that we worked with, with the ministry that we were part of. And, and you realize the more they talked and they didn't have to tell us what they did. Some just freely gave it to us that you realized, you know what, if I would have done this or done this, I could easily be in that same place. Mm -hmm. And that just makes us realize how we all fall short of the glory of God. As you mentioned, Romans chapter six or in Romans chapter three and, and 
all have received grace because of Christ and what he's done for us. Because you know what? We are the same as the worst of sinners. Because what does Paul tell us? Um, uh, uh, that Christ died for sinners of whom I am the foremost. And reminds us we all fall short of that and received into favor. Meaning on account of Jesus, we are favored. On account of Jesus, we are forgiven. On account of Jesus, we are his children. Um, and that's why this all comes back to that because, like once again, if we're doing comparative justification or feeling justification or works justification, we're always gonna fall short. Pastor, we have about eh, we have an, a few minutes left here in our time. Uh, other other highlights you want to give, especially for our listeners today, as we think about why justification is just as relevant today as it was in the 16th century. I'm a firm believer that. Getting justification right again, it's our foundation. Um, so it just sets us on such a healthy path in terms of our Christian life. You know, when the world attacks the church and Christians, the the main attack is that we're all a bunch of hypocrites, and they're not wrong. Um, and I think to acknowledge that, to confess that sin. Uh, before God in heaven and before the world, and to to recognize that it is the thing that sets us apart from the rest of the world is is not how good we are or how bad we are, but that we are truly forgiven by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone, and to live in that freedom and to ever proclaim when the world comes at us with the accusations of hypocrisy to say, oh my gosh, yes, I'm horrible. I'm, I'm terrible. And I, I, that's why I am in the church. I need Jesus. And that is where he promises to come to me. We'll end it with a last sentence um, and continue our discussion by his death. Christ made satisfaction for our sins. God counts this faith for righteousness in his sight. So once again, you can't talk justification without talking more Jesus. Satisfaction for our sins. Um, what does that mean? He made satisfaction. I'm thinking of Snickers. That doesn't really relate here. So what does it mean that he paid? Uh, he made satisfaction for our sins? Again, um, Adam and Eve in the garden broke the whole thing. And ever since then, the whole thing is broken. And there was one fix for the brokenness, and that was the shedding of blood. Uh, and it uh, and that sets up the Old Testament sacrificial system, which always looked forward and saw its fulfillment in the um, the shedding of the blood of the Son of God, the the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, Jesus. Uh, in the shedding of his blood, in his death, uh, we, though, not only are we as God's people satisfied, not only is God satisfied by the with the sacrifice of Jesus for our sake, but also it, be, it sets in motion the, the, the return to the garden, as it were, the the eschaton, the the end when Christ returns and makes right all of the wrongs. 
we look at the last part, and I, I saw a couple translations. He said, God counts his faith for righteousness in his sight. And some would say imputed righteousness, which is an understanding that, like you said, extra knows that God from outside of ourselves imputes, means basically inserts this righteousness into us by faith, this righteousness that comes from Christ, the righteousness that we freely receive through the word of God and through the sacraments, that this righteousness is basically, it's almost like the Lord opens up our mouth and just like gives us salvation and righteousness and just puts it right into us. Um, and 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 it, this is something that is not partly, kind of like forgiveness, is not partly forgiven. We're not partly righteous. We're completely righteous because it simply comes from the Lord. Uh, Pastor, any, any thoughts on that as we look at imputed righteousness as it's not only something that happened out there, but it is something also that we receive that he gives to us freely as well. Yeah. And really when I was enmeshed in the American evangelical teaching, I misunderstood scripture and the scriptural teaching. And as I really dug into the Holy scriptures and read them in their context and, and with honesty in my reading of it, it became utterly clear that I bring nothing to the table. Uh, one that was very impactful of, uh, of my life of faith and my um, appreciation, great appreciation for the Lutheran confession of faith was uh, Ephesians chapter five, the discussion of uh, husbands and wives and how uh, that is reflected in the church of Christ uh, and the, the uh, relationship there. Husbands, love your wives, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 and following. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And reading the scriptures with that understanding that that puts me in the passive voice um, and Christ in the active voice, right? Um, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, you know, set her apart, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word so that he might present the church to himself. The, this language is so clear that it is being done to me from the outside by Christ himself. And I simply receive, or as, um, as we heard earlier, we are received into that favor. I think that's... Um, very important for us to really grasp hold of and rejoice in. Pastor, with about a minute left in our time, how would you encourage our listeners and point them back to Christ as we are as as we conclude our study on justification by faith through Christ? I would simply say this is our bread and butter as Christians. It's certainly our bread and butter butter as Lutherans, but but if you if man, hold fast to this, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, this article of justification, 
uh, it is the very foundation of our faith. Pastor Jason Bredesen of Trinity Lutheran Church in Sacramento, California, teaching the truth of what Scripture tells us of what it means to be justified in our Lord Jesus Christ. Pastor Bredesen, thank you for being our guest. Thank you, Pastor Finnern. I appreciate you and your listeners. I'm your host, Pastor Brady Finnern, District President of the Minnesota North District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe.